What is good, Defenders? And welcome to episode 164 of the most LAFC podcast in all of Los Angeles County, including the far reaches of Carson. You know my voice. I am the scarf, J.R. Liebert, and I am recording this episode with the help of my partner in pod sitting directly across from me today as we record in the heart of Screenland, Culver City, California. You know him as the friendly neighborhood monster, Philly Christian Philemon, everybody. Yes, I've been helping you with this pod for 164 episodes. That's right. You're making it sound as if you had a special guest on. But if you want to refer to me as special, I greatly appreciate (laughs) it. Thank you very much. Yes, it is I, the self-proclaimed beast from the East, sitting directly in front of my good buddy, the tyrant of threads, Jerry, but the scarf. And I have to comment. Nina, your significant other, yes. uh, bought these Bacardi Bahama Mama real rum cocktails. My advice to you, defenders, don't go out and buy them. Hold they on are now. Not if very Bacardi good. wants to sponsor us, we love these cocktails. These I like fantastic. Bacardi, but Bahama Mama rum cocktails in the can? Boom! You know what would be better, Philly? Some party beer from Party yes. Beer Co. That's what we need. There you go. Or maybe some Bohemia from Heineken. Either one of those I is mean, fine. either way, we tripped and fell on the keg the other day. Yeah, I mean, look, we had, we had a good time at the, at the match against Carson just yesterday. We are recording this, by the way, Sunday, August 29th, one day after... The draw against Carson 3-3. And what was extraordinary to me, Philly, is the difference in reactions between the team that's been around since 96 and the first of five celebrating the draw with the tweet, L.A. is ours, because that's what a draw gets you, I guess. You win all of Los Angeles because you were able to draw against a team that is, you know, we've only been around four years, and oh, we don't have any history, but yet you're celebrating a draw like you've just won MLS Cup, whereas LAFC, for for instance, translated, translated, tweeted the word stalemate, as in nothing gained, nothing lost, point for either side, Although, it did feel like a loss in some respects. But what an incredible difference between the once proud greatest franchise in Major League Soccer and the new era, if you will, LAFC. Yeah, that tweet was about as good as something you find in a dirty pair of draws. Awful, awful tweet, I have to say. And for them to think L.A. is theirs because they came out of Bank of California Stadium with a draw is kind of ridiculous. Now, we don't normally troll the other team. (laughs) What a big, fat lie that is. We have plenty to troll them about, not necessarily just the team on the pitch, but the, but the, the team in the stands as well. But for them, again, to think that L.A. is theirs based on the fact that they won from a draw is, again, the duty that you do find in a pair of draws. Yeah, look, we go from something that we are slowly taking away from Carson to something that nobody will ever be able to take away from one Christian Philly Philemon. I want to give a big shout out to LAFC Juan and Juan's dad, Papa Juan, about this because this was something that he alerted us to just a couple of days ago. The opportunity that Philly and I had to interview El Idolo Andrade and the Raw Women's Champion and the person who will forever be known as Philly's Hall Pass, Charlotte Flair. If you need to Google Hall Pass, you'll no doubt find several different websites, including likely Urban Dictionary, that will give you the definition. Probably of what a movie a, as well. Yeah, what, what a Hall Pass is. Uh, it is safe to say 
And I, I am saying this with Philly's wife, a mere eh, 15 feet or so away from us here in the room, again, in the heart of Screenland, beautiful Culver City, California, recording this on Sunday, August 29th, that if Philly had one hall pass, it would likely be Charlotte Flair. So to get the Instagram message from Juan's dad about, hey, um, JR, I've got this opportunity for you guys, and I really want you to be able to interview these two people. And he told me who they were. I lost it for Philly before I forwarded it on to Philly. He, I knew what this would mean to one Christian Philly Philemon. And so, so Philly, before the match in Field Club, we got to spend about five to seven minutes in the hall interviewing Andrade and Charlotte Flair. Let me ask you, have you recovered yet? I was shaking quite profusely. After we were done, I was pretty calm, cool, and collective going into LAFCHQ. Yeah. But then, obviously, once eye contact was made, <laughs> I, I got starstruck. And for the longest time, I used to pride myself on the fact that I would never get starstruck. Now, you mentioned the term hall pass. Yeah. Look, it, it's fun as it would be to interpret these things. At the end of the day, I don't have a shot in hell with my hall pass. That's clear. I think my wife has a better shot with her hall pass than I do with mine. But either way, getting the opportunity to spend time with a person that I legitimately respect as a professional athlete. Look, it's no mystery that I am attracted to athletic, strong, blonde bombshells. I married one, okay? So obviously it it turns out that I'm attracted to them as well. I think Charlotte Flair is the best women's professional wrestler in the world. I think she is super cool. And yeah, I was mildly nervous (laughs) interviewing. In (laughs) fact, I... And I know who, obviously I know who Andrade is, but... Also known as her boyfriend. Yeah, her fiancé, actually. Her fiancé, that's right. So, knowing everything I knew, and again, not really being one to mess up or fumble my words as much, I, I started the interview out with Andre, and I'm just like... Oh, God. Oh, God. And then we had a laugh about it. Like, I'm I'm sorry. I'm nervous. Thank God this wasn't live. But it went well. She was so nice. And we'll probably release that video, the edited version, because I don't want you guys to see the screw up of me calling Andrade Andre. But, man, it uh, it was pretty cool to see the Raw Women's Champion. Charlotte Flair at Bank of California Stadium. There's an amazing photo, by the way. I don't know at what point it was captured. Yeah. But it's like a rich sitting down, like in the front row in the field club. Right. And then you have Andrade up in the air with his two arms and Charlotte Flair wearing her sunglasses with like making the biggest O face ever. It looked like they had a really good time. So it was pretty cool to, to see them at the bank. Yeah, I think that might have been taken right after Brian's incredible goal, which we will certainly talk about. And don't worry, I am, I am currently rewriting, as you might have imagined, I have written a second version of Brian's song, but it it wasn't the most positive song in the entire world because we've gone a little while without some positivity from one Brian Rodriguez. It's safe to say that after we finish today's match and the recap that we're going to have a lot more positive things to say about one Rayito, Brian Rodriguez, after the recap is over. So I'm, I'm currently tweaking some lyrics, if you will. But yeah, that must have been after the goal. Philly, you've had way too many good things happening to you recently. we got to cut it back a little bit. Let's talk about your Manchester United. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, CR7 is a red devil. So I get clowned on a lot for rooting for really bad sports teams. So every once in a while, the sun will shine on a dog, and I'm pretty much the dog in every single case of that statement. But I I remember it vividly, because it happened two days ago. But really vividly in the sense that I... uh, I 
I slept in accidentally. I had my alarm set for a certain time Friday morning. I overslept by a mere, you know, 55 minutes, no big deal. <laughs> I, I woke up. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to be late to the office. I have a meeting, whatever. And then a mere 30 or so seconds later, I'm still in bed just trying to wipe the dust out of my eye. Boom, the phone, ESPN breaking news, Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. I literally got out of my bed and I said, yes, <laughs> because... You said it. It wasn't unexpected. The thought was that he was leaving Juve. That was a guarantee. But to go to Manchester City. And so I was disappointed again. My my wife, Panda, who's 15 feet away, who uh, after sleeping 12 hours yesterday, looks like she's taking a nap again. Okay, she raised her hand. It's a a good thing that she's alive. She's up. The panda bear is still alive. I was disappointed. Thought this guy is going to kill his legacy. Why would he go to City other than maybe to win a Premier League title right away? Money. But thank he doesn't need it. But, but thankfully, it. thankfully, Sir Alex Ferguson and all of his teammates convinced him to do what was right and not tarnish his legacy in the city of Manchester, but to go to the club that pretty much catapulted him into superstardom. Cristiano Ronaldo, a member of the Red Devils, the LA Red Army. The, the group that watches games, they were at the House of Football in L.A., by the way, watching that game. I'm so excited to go back out there. Not back. I've always been there. But it's really exciting to see Cristiano back at Manchester United. But I don't think it's going to be CR7 scarf unless he uh, he buys that from Edison Cavani. Right. It might be CR17 because if I'm not mistaken, that's the number he started with when he first came on to Manchester United. Maybe 77 because he's twice as good. I don't know. Look, Ooh, it, I like that. That's fun. It's going to be a lot of fun watching... Manchester United matches over at Saturday's football at House of Football, by the way, because we know they're trying to get something started there. And, and today, by the way, while we were recording this, the match ended between Paris Saint-Germain and is it Stade Rheims? R- 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 uh, the team that they played. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Your last name is what? Le Berge. Which makes Ramon you part Le what? Uh, French Canadian, sir. Oh, oh, okay. But they speak French, what in like, Canada like other Thierry, than English? Like Thierry Zorro. We are both French Canadian, my friend. Okay, but but they other than English, what do they speak in the province? They Quebec? speak a lot of French. Okay, there. so what happened to you? Yes, uh, look, I teach Latin, not French. So the team okay, that they played, they, they won 2 nothing. Paris Saint-Germain, and, and they unfortunately did not start all three on the same line. It was just Neymar and Mbappe. Sorry, you couldn't find a way to squeeze Messi into the lineup. <laughs> Goodness, on Hildy, on Hildy Maria's looking around going, oh, guys, <laughs> I really like playing with you all. It was a 2 nothing win. Both goals scored by Kylian Mbappe. Mbappe yep. Mbappe, Turns out they're going to be real good. But it was the 66th minute when Lionel Messi came in for the first time for Paris Saint-Germain, the first club that he has played for since he was, what, like six years old on the school <laughs> ground? And like, unreal. So no longer strictly a Barcelona man. He played the final 30 minutes or so, including stoppage time. Nothing on the board for Lionel Messi. He did earn a free kick, uh, I read, during the, the run-up. But that being said, 2 nothing for Paris Saint-Germain. I, I got to bring this up, too. One last thing. Congratulations to the Taylor North Little League from Michigan winning the Little League World Series. I was very closely following this Little League World Series as my former Little League team, Torrance, California, came just two games away from winning the entire thing. We lost one nothing for our first loss to the, the pitcher from South Dakota that was throwing nothing but no hitters. And we actually had a chance to beat that kid. 
And then we lost to Ohio, I believe, was the other team that we lost to, the team that lost to Michigan. So I just want to say congrats to the boys from Torrance, keeping it in the family there. My dad and I both got T-shirts. And, of course, they arrived the day that Torrance was eliminated. So that was fun for the both of us. Congrats to Taylor North Little League. And, by the way, if you ever want to see a really funny South Park episode, please watch the one where they're all playing Little League and they want to try and keep losing so that they don't have to play Little League all through the summer. Philly, yes? Scar, I had a question. You obviously played baseball at a pretty high level. I do. You were a very amazing baseball player within your youth. Playing for Torrance, a yeah. team that obviously you know makes waves in terms of the Little League World Series. Yeah. Did you play with anybody during your Little League days that went on to do big things so in Major I, League Baseball? I didn't play with anybody, but if you guys remember the Long Beach Little League uh, team that went to the Little League World Series a couple years in a row, played against them a couple of times. Sean Burroughs, son of Jeff Burroughs, who won a batting title, I believe, with the Rangers at some point in his career. Sean Burroughs, the one-time San Diego Padre, he was on that other team, and I got to play against a couple of other guys. I think. But the big name, my, my idol sort of growing up uh, was Jason Kendall, who was the longtime Pittsburgh Pirates catcher. And and honestly, I'll say this. If you look at the top two or three catchers not in the Hall of Fame, I think it goes like Ted Simmons and then Jason Kendall. Ted Simmons, who just passed away not too long ago. Jason Kendall was a huge inspiration. I never wanted to play catcher. Dear God, no. But I was a a uh, corner outfielder, first baseman, and, and more. Moreover, anything else, I was a pitcher. And unfortunately, when you you tear your rotator cuff and then you blow out your ankle, your uh, your burgeoning baseball career becomes a thriving softball career very very quickly. So I love to play me the softball. I still would get out on a baseball field if my ankle allowed it, but lately it hasn't really been allowing it. Loved playing baseball though that look I'll tell you this Philly you and I are known for being Mets fans on this podcast and I certainly am but there is almost no better scenario in the world than sitting out back near home plate or behind home plate whether it's the first deck second deck third deck top deck at Dodger Stadium and just kind of taking in a game from what they call blue heaven on earth at Dodger Stadium the most beautiful ballpark to watch a game at plenty of other ballparks have some cool stuff around it but man yeah i i I miss the days of of the torrance little league and some of my guys i used to play with i often wonder what frank mance or anthony tenori or nick smith or or elise or any of those other players that i used to play with i often wonder what they're doing but i don't believe any of them had kids that were also playing in this so i bet you at least one of them is probably selling life insurance you know what everybody needs life insurance philly there you go Look, let's get into a very quick version of this day in LAFC history. We're recording this on Sunday, August 29th. But, I mean, other than, I think, Tristan Blackman either being loaned out to or recalled from Phoenix Rising on the 29th, that's not really all that special. But the day of the match, the 28th of August, 2018, kind of a sad day in LAFC history, although he had clearly out outgrown his usefulness and or want to play for LAFC on the 28th of 2018 LAFC announces the transfer of Le General Laurent Simon to Dijon for the uh, as my favorite league to say from the French Liga 1 French Liga 1 which by the way same Liga 1 that PSG plays in and started r- 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 rhyme. All right, we're, we're both going to have to work on our French team pronunciations. So that's this day in LAFC history. That's all we've got. Philly, news and notes. Here, here's something that, that we want to bring up to everybody before we get into the recap of the match. We have a match on the 3rd of September coming up. Second. I Friday. Was, I think it was the 3rd. 
then I'd stand corrected. Either way, it's Friday. Uh, yeah, we have a match on the third, I think, Friday for sure, against Sporting. And something that we know is we'll likely be without not just Carlos Vela, not just Eddie Segura, not just Quadua Poku, obviously, not just, was it Eric Duenas? But we're going to be without some guys on international duty. Now, I don't think a lot of these teams have released their list yet, but I think we, you know, we're talking about Philly, possibly Kim Moon Juan, unfortunately, possibly Brian Rodriguez. We don't know what's going on with Diego Rossi or Chiqui Palacios. Several of our players, though, will likely miss that match. Yeah, and that announcement's going to be made pretty soon. But knowing that, Sporting Kansas City, who is going to be the team that we're going to square off against next Friday, yeah. they too are going to be without several players. Potentially Alan Polito, potentially uh, Gotti Kinda, potentially guys who have been killers. Daniel Shallowy. Shallow, I mean, Shallowy has been incredible all season long. So it's not going to be the SKC LAFC matchup that we're going to want to see. Uh, and Lord knows we're probably not going to see it because we're going to a concert, one that's been postponed and rescheduled multiple times. We're talking about the Hella Megator at Dodger Stadium, ladies yep. and gentlemen. Green Day, Weezer, and, and I think Fa- it was, Fallout Boy. But didn't they fall out of the lineup? Yeah, I, we'll have to look that up later on. I don't know, but I know Sporting is number two in the table, Philly, and they're pretty good. So a team that's be... got a darn good shot at not only winning the Western yeah. Conference but winning the MLS. Yeah, no, they're what plus fifteen goal differential. They're 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 just a really solid squad. We saw them earlier, and it, it didn't didn't go great for us. No, so we'll have to didn't. see what happens there. But Nothing's Philly, really gone great. Though. Why, why? You know what? Parts of parts of this match against Carson went great. Yeah, and with you're that, not Philly, wrong. Why, why don't you kick it off? Let's get into the recap here with Derby Days once again at Bank of California Stadium, our only Derby Day of the 2021 MLS season. Yeah, I mean, being at Bank of California Stadium, it was going to be exciting. It's the first time that we got to see the Galaxy at the bank as a collective group in a very long time. And obviously, our season hasn't been going that well. The Galaxies, on the other hand, has been going okay. And I don't want to say they've been killing it because coming into this matchup, they were sitting in fourth place, fifth place overall for the Supporters Shield with 35 points, an 11-8-2 record. But interestingly enough, goals four, 32. Goals allowed, 32. Goal differential, zero. A team that is allowed, only one other team has allowed more goals, and that's the Portland Timbers. And this is a team that sits in a fourth place, riding a two-game losing streak, actually. So they were pretty much a wounded puppy just uh, going into this match, just as much as LAFC was. But it was... Going to be an electric environment. We knew it was going to be awesome. And hey, we got to give a shout out to Gil because I know he was one of the masterminds behind this. As well as the 32-52. That TIFO of the Warrior that came out before the match started unbelievable design yet again the 3252 outdo themselves with an outstanding tifo design bravo that really set the tone for what was to be an exciting matchup scarf yeah look the the two birds on the shoulder with the initials under each uh, just a an incredibly fitting tribute once again to to our two incredible members that that have fallen this year unfortunately due to COVID circumstances and due to other circumstances, just the the fact that we even needed that on the TIFO is heartbreaking in and of itself. Also, look, on Christmas Tree Lane, I, I want to give a shout out to the table that was reserved for the 13. Um, the, oh, geez. The, the 13 service members that we lost uh, just this last week in Afghanistan to everything. I mean, this club really is about so, so, so much more than football. It's about 
not just being a, a force for good in the community, but a, a force that remembers those that that have since gone before us. And it, it really was heartbreaking, uh, you know, to to see the birds and to see the initials under the the TIFO. I mean, that was that was incredibly poignant. That that was just an incredible moment. Uh, another wonderful TIFO that is so much more than just about football, just about soccer, and, and really. That's what these these LA Derby matchups have, have kind of come to symbolize. It really is about this club, LAFC, kind of stepping up and, and becoming more than what they were once before. It just so much to talk about with this match, Philly. The uh, the honorary Falconer, by the way, that was really cool to to have our gold medal volleyball player uh, April Ross. She was. She was, was incredible. Cool, yeah. It was cool to have a gold medalist in the house. That was, I mean, look, we've got, I think, a few of those with some of the 99ers that like to come by and some of the owners of, of Angel City. But to have one right then, she had her gold medal on, man. That looks so cool. Oh, my goodness. And obviously to have Ollie back in the building with Ken, that was, it's always good Ollie to see. Ollie is so grown up now, by the way. Dude, I didn't even recognize Ollie this uh, time around. Ollie, also that first dive, that pass that she took at Ken, dude, she was hauling. Oh my God, she was hauling. I thought she was going to take Ken's arm, head, and the leer off. And <laughs> earlier on, I think season one, I mean, Ken had no problem having the lure and having Ollie come out there and, and just grasp it. And he would still kind of like have it. I don't know. I feel like it extended. But lately, Ollie's gotten so powerful that she just rips the darn thing out right from Ken's arm. But it was really, really cool. We had the 3252 out there singing the Star Spangled Banner in unison as they yep. always do. And of course, we had the, uh, the rude and noisy neighbors from down the 110 in their little section doing everything they could to be as disrespectful as they could during the national anthem i would say that was a sour point of contention from a spectator's point of view it's something that you would not have seen on the tv screen or maybe not if you stood like figueroa or anywhere else but from our vantage point they were allowed and disrespectful as the 3252 was trying to do their duty and singing the star spangled banner but hey what, what can you expect from some of the lowbrow fans from down the 110 yeah look it's really interesting right you and i've had the pleasure of seeing what almost every single club's fans in person at Bank of California Stadium now no one even close to doing anything disrespectful to the national anthem so no you know it's shame on you galaxy it's unfortunate that that happens but once again it reminds me of how much I love our club and the supporters of our club uh real quick I did google it uh fallout boy had to cancel for a couple of dates in New York and Boston due to COVID but they are back on the schedule along with the interrupters would be the opening band Ooh, uh, baby, I can't wait to hear She's Kerosene. Yeah, September 3rd, Dodger Sam. We bought these tickets like two and a half, three years ago. They have since moved the concert back, not just a full year, but then like two more weeks back after that. So we are bummed, by the way. We will be all missing the Sporting KC match, but you know. A very rare home game that we missed. That we're all of us us are missing. The second time this is ever going to happen. But I I don't think we've ever all missed a match, have we? NYCFC. Oh, that's right. We all So this would be the second time we missed a game as a collective group. It's the second time this season. Wait, well, hey, it's been a crazy season for LAFC anyway. It might as well be, you know, a season of firsts for us as a collective group as well. At least we're not missing a tailgate. The game's on a Friday. There you go. So, Philly, why don't you get into the lineup for Carson? Look, you already went over their place in the table between being, was it fourth in the table, I think, coming yep, in this? coming in the uh, match fourth. They, you know what I will say? I'm going to say something positive about Carson, and this is the last positive thing you'll likely hear me say about them for the remainder of the season. They've done well in retooling their roster on the fly 
this season uh, with, with much of it from, from France. But, uh, you know, I, I just realized, by the way, that I'm talking about Carson and I asked you to go over the lineup for LAFC. I mean, you might so as well I, just take it. Shoot. I'll, you I'll usually take, you always take the opposition. No, I do for sure. I don't know why I offered you my job on this because I only took the notes on, on Carson's, not on LAFC's. So Philly should have LAFC's. Don't mind me. Uh, look, their, their manager. Let's start with there. Let's start with Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny, the former Carson player, former Toronto coach who actually coached the Toronto squad that won the treble. MLS Cup, Supporter Shield, and I promise this is real, the Canadian Championship in 2017, the only treble ever won in Major League Soccer history. Greg Vanny was a part of that for Toronto. So they brought him in. They brought him back, quote-unquote, home, as they like to say, to coach the G's of Carson. And they come out with a 4-3-3, their keeper, and by far their team MVP this season, and a player who I think might even get MVP votes over the course of the entire season for Major League Soccer, Bond, Jonathan Bond, their goalkeeper, who keeps them in all of these matches despite still giving up the second most goals in Major League Soccer, or excuse me, in the West at least, this year. We got Julian Araujo, the local product. We've got Derek Williams, Sega Koulibaly. Sega. Sega, born in Mali, but he is a French international I am so disappointed to announce this name as one of the wingbacks and the starting lineup for Carson Galaxy becoming the first player to play for both Carson and for the black and gold three umlauts himself, Nico Hamalainen, one of our favorite nicknames in the history of this podcast. He played in a total of three matches for LAFC, the last of which, as we all remember, was the ill-fated 2019 Vancouver match on the road at, as Philly likes to say, Bad Carpet Place, where we started Nico and Shaft Brewer Jr. as our wingbacks and Peter Lee Vassal in the midfield. We wound up losing that game one nothing off of a Huang Imbaum goal, and it was just a frustrating, frustrating match. Ryan Ravellison, the Madagascar-born second player from Madagascar in MLS. I believe Roman Metanier is the first one. He became the fourth. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know Metanier was Madagascar. Yeah, Roman Metanier was the... Is that how you say it? Madagascarian? Uh, from Madagascar, we'll say. Okay. Have, yeah, Matt, Matt, he's a, Mad, not Madagascarian. It, I mean, if there's anybody out sure. there who knows, let us know. Please DM us. And if you're from Madagascar, let us know. That would be kind of cool. I don't know if I've actually ever met somebody from Madagascar before. No, I never I've have. never met cool. Roman Metanier, and I have not met Ryan Ravellison yet. The fourth player from Carson this year signed from France. So the French Revolution happening down in Carson. Don't worry, they will meet their Waterloo soon. Victor oh, Vasquez, Jonah Dos Santos. Yeah. Sebastian Legette, Kevin Cabral, the 22-year-old designated player from Paris. The youngest designated player in Carson history. And Dejan Jovelic, the 22-year-old he was born in Bosnia-Herzegovina, but he is a Serbian international. And look, we kind of helped him have his coming out party in Major League Soccer in this match. But he's a pretty good player, pretty fun to watch, too. So a pair of 22-year-olds up front for Carson, and that's the lineup. Yeah, they've got a bunch of people in the 18, but none of them really factored into the match all that much. So, Philly, like I meant to say to you earlier... How about the lineup for LAFC? Yeah, so in between the pipes, we had Thomas Romero. And I want to give a quick shout-out to Thomas Romero's family. We got to meet his mom yep. and dad and some of his... Co- 
Oop, I got the hiccups. Sorry. And some of his cousins <laughs> over at the tailgate, they happen to stop by on their own accord and let us know that they are big fans of the podcast. Yeah. We know you listen to the pod. We love your son. We do feel that he has the potential to be the greatest goalkeeper that LAFC has ever had. And so we just wanted to say shout out. Really, really cool to meet the both of you. We love your son. We, we hope to have him on the pod. That so was pretty cool. If you're listening to him, mention it to him, and then we'll clear it through PR. Maybe we can make it happen. Yep. But we had Thomas Romero in between the pipes. And as far as our backline was concerned, we had Chiqui Palacios, we had Fall, we had Mario, we had Tristan Blackman. Our midfield consisted of Jose Cifuentes, Edward Atuesta, Latif Blessing. In our front line, Diego Rossi, Chicho Orango, and Brian. I finally scored some goals and put a dent into my into the season, Rodriguez. It was pretty cool. They were starting out that 4-3-3, and we should get right into the matchup. But before we like go into that, yes. I got I to gotta mention another thing that the Carson fans did. Okay. They threw toilet paper out. Did you see that? Yeah, they throw toilet paper at their own they, matches, It was too. probably Scott's and not Charmin, because you know low-brow people are going to have generic toilet paper. But and if there's anything one should ever spend good money on, oh, Scott, I'm with you. Is good toilet paper because Look, you don't like that stuff breaking up when you're using it, brother. You, you get that Charmin two ply, and that's the good stuff right there. But I will say, Charmin this, could be the cause of the pandemic. What I did notice <laughs> that was a joke, I, well, of course. Oh, jeez. Oh, come on, the red what, bear up to up to no good. What I, I see it. What I did notice, Philly, is that they threw the toilet paper at the direction of their own team. However, so that's seemingly indicative of how they feel about their own. They need team. to clean their so, drawers because they were scared at the sight of the thirty-two. Yeah, 52. so that you know, we did see them throw the toilet paper, but again, they threw it in the direction of their own team which, yeah, that's how I feel about your guys' team, too. Don't worry. Philly, basically off of the opening kick, don't worry, that's the voicemail happening here in Culver City, <laughs> It's California. something that many y'all don't hear from much, and that's a landline. <laughs> yeah, it's a landline, you guys. Don't worry, kids. We'll explain to you what a landline is later on. It's right next to the typewriter. It's, it's like your cell phone, except it's connected with wires. It's really weird. Don't worry. We'll, we'll explain later. That being said, should it have been a PK? Opening minute of the match. Holden seemed to think so. Julian Araujo, I'm going to say this. It was hard to tell. It was hard to tell if Diego got tripped up by his own feet or if he got that right foot kicked into his left by Julian Araujo. I did enjoy, by the way, I appreciate the referee allowing Edward Atuesta to come over and speak his piece. Edward Atuesta wearing the captain's armband. And what I liked about this Edward Atuesta, especially this early on in the match, I've actually had a complaint, Philly, several times throughout this season about Edward Atuesta that his hot-headedness, his lack of cool under pressure, is often what gets him in trouble throughout the course of a match. He'll play angry for the entire match rather than be fueled by, be motivated by maybe a bad call, maybe a missed call, whatever it might have been. And I thought that after he was able to come over, say his piece, he settled back into the match very, very quickly. Yeah, no doubt about that. But it wasn't us that had the uh, the first bit of mishap in terms of fouls. We'll get into that in just a second. But yeah, we had an opportunity for that foul in the box. But hey, Stu Holden seemed to think it was a foul. Scarf already touched on that. No need to go any further. In the seventh minute, Victor Vasquez of the LA fallacy misses on an attempt, misses to the right. Three minutes later, we had Chiqui Palacios taking a nice pass from Jose Cifuentes, but he boots it a bit high. And the 14th minute, yellow card yep. on Jose Cifuentes, Scarf. Yeah, you know, look, Cifu, he, he earned it, right? It was. It oh, was, he earned it. Yeah, it, it was a good foul. He earned the yellow card. 
Although I will say this, when I see anybody in black and gold get a yellow card in the 14th minute, I do a lot of math in my head real quick, and I was like, 76 minutes is a long time for somebody as athletic and, and who plays out on the front foot as much as someone like Jose Cifuentes. So, and is aggressive, by the yeah, way. Absolutely. I, I think that's actually the word I was looking for. Thank you for finding No, but he's athletic, so I'm not going to condemn you or he say is, you wrong. He is, but the whole out on the front foot thing, aggressive. A much more succinct way of saying that. Thank you. That's the verbiage coming from a teacher. Look at that. Turning, a turnabout is fair play. If you guys had a chance to watch the 110 football postgame show, it was a less succinct and a more verbose Philly this one. Yeah, here on I didn't have my best show there. No, it was okay. We just got we got the more succinct version from Philly now. I like that. Jinkies. Uh, aggressive. Very good. Uh, look, the, the yellow card, though, definitely worried me throughout the entire match. Philly, uh, we're waiting on, uh, was it Mario to get another yellow, right? Because isn't he, isn't he one yellow card away from a match suspension at this point? Too? I'm pretty sure, yes. Yeah. So one more and he would sit out. And honestly, the way Murray played today, I mean, he yeah, wouldn't mind maybe. If he yeah, we got, we got some stuff to talk about with yeah. Murray. Let's, let's just get into it. How about that? Yeah. 20- 20th minute, Philly. And I didn't mention this, by the way. I want to let you touch on this for just a second. Uh, Dejan Jovelic, he played for Eintracht Frankfurt. You might actually have to sort of kind of not hate this particular car. Look, when he he actually came over from a team in the Austrian League. So he was on loan as a member of Eintracht Frankfurt. I mean, he's a young kid. And interestingly enough, he'd only played a handful of games, maybe three. And there were plenty of Galaxy supporters out there poo-pooing on him saying this kid wasn't all that, you know, they thought he was cracked up to be. Obviously, he he spoils that. But before we get into, like, naming his name, the Galaxy were knocking on the door three minutes even prior to that. You had Victor Vasquez, who finds... Jonah Dos Santos, but he has a shot that gets blocked. But two minutes later, Chicho finds Brian. Brian has a shot that is high and wide. Brian already starting to stamp his name into the game. And between Chicho and Brian and Rossi, we'll, we'll get into this at the very end of the stats. These guys are doing everything they could to throw uh, everything and the kitchen sink at Jonathan Bond. But for an unfortunate play, there was great passing. <laughs> a ball that got by Chiqui Palacios. A ball that Murray biffed. We have a goal. 20 minutes into the game, that same Eintracht Frankfurt player that you were referring to, right foot to the bottom right corner. The center backs, it was Tristan, and and again, it was Murray trying to get out there because it wasn't really belted too hard. But as a result of that, the young Bosnian Herzegovinan gets his first goal of his MLS career and the first goal of this game. Look, uh, we seem to be seeing this several times now throughout the year, Philly, and, and, and I think a lot of our listeners will agree whether it's an errant touch or a bad ball or just kind of odd positioning by Moody, the ball winding up in the back of the net. We saw this happen a couple matches ago. We've seen it happen several times. It's a little frustrating that this happens with Moody, right? Because we see so much talent and so much ability from Jesus David Murillo. He plays with such anger, too. Yeah, you know, I I actually I compare him so much to a player who we have christened with the nickname The Problem, Yamar Gomez Andrade, for Seattle. And it was it was actually kind of fitting to me that they took out Yamar for Moody in the All-Star game because those two players very similar. They are Big. They are big center backs and they play with such aggression. They play with such anger and, and they really use their physicality and try and impose it upon the game. Well, I think this is where we see somebody like Moody who is still a little young, right? He's still not quite seasoned, at least for the MLS game. 
And I think he sometimes tries to impose his physicality when he he maybe thinks his physicality is a little bit better than what it is. And it was frustrating because this is a ball that if Modi just gets in front of, knocks down and clears, then we don't have the issue that we're having. Again, not on Tomas Romero because he was in a bad spot, but he came out to try and contest the ball that ricocheted off of Modi. Of course, Jovelic was able to put it in to the back of the net and unfortunately, we're down one nothing, Philly, early on. And all I thought was, all right, it's time for us to respond or we're going to fold. Yeah, and that's the, the scary thing about the season. Over the course of the past couple of years, anytime LAFC would get their backs against the wall, they would come through counter and make it a ball game. So one thing we talked about over the course of the past seven matches is the fact that LAFC seems to have a lack of confidence. So this early punch to the face was somewhat nerve-wracking because we didn't know how the team was going to respond. But respond, they eventually did. Three minutes later, Sivio had a shot that misses left. And then Rossi had one to follow as well. And then a minute after that, Chicho getting into the mix. He has a shot. Edward Atuesta in the 27th minute. Ambidextrous, his left foot. He then takes... (laughs) Get shot with his right foot. Both shots get blocked. And then a minute after that, Arango being aggressive, getting in another shot that gets blocked. So they're out there doing LAFC things, trying to be as aggressive as they can. And then in the 35th minute, we get our second yellow card of the game as courtesy of Jonathan Dos Santos, Scarf. Yeah, Jonathan Dos Santos, seemingly now, God, how long has he been with Carson? Picks up another yellow there. A long time. In the 35th minute. But what I really liked is how LAFC responded after the 20th minute, right? They're they're playing out on the front foot. They're playing what I like to call downhill. They're really taking control of the match offensively. And and you know what? I, I got to give props to our old guy, three umlauts, because in the 44th minute, Philly, 44 minutes in, I thought that they announced Nico Hamalainen and the lineup for Carson, but apparently he wanted to help out his old boys in the black and gold, even though he had just played three matches for us. He obviously still has strong feelings about being at the bank. And it was, I mean, look, it was an easy, easy penalty call. In the NFL, that's uh, 10 yards for holding and an automatic first down. Spins Chicho Arango as he tried to jump for the ball. I think Chicho obviously sold it pretty well too, but it was a clear jersey tug, a clear hold of the right side of his body. And I want to give Chicho some props because he actually talked about this in the news conference after the match. He said there was a penalty kick that was taken by Diego Rossi earlier in the season where the two of them discussed it and and Chicho said, okay, Diego, you, you take this one. And the two of them again came together right before this one and Chicho wanted this one. And you know what? I'm of the mindset, dude. The kid earned it, by the way, too. He was the one that got taken down inside the box. He's also one that we are expecting a lot of goals from. We know that Diego Rossi is capable of not just leading our team, but leading an entire league in goals scored for the season. So props to Chicho Arango for stepping up and taking it and absolutely drilling it. He guessed right. He put it in a spot that wasn't going to get saved. And just like that, Philly, going into the half, it is 1-1. We are still at a stalemate. Yeah, you were talking about Nico Hamalainen having had strong feelings for LAFC. Clearly he had strong feelings for Chicho Arango. I like the fact. I love that you stated the fact that Chicho really wanted to go out there and take that PK. Why? Because we've often wondered... 
where he uh, has been, the highlight reel that we've seen, the fact that he led the Colombian first division in goals. We, we didn't see a, a killer, a guy with a killer mentality over the f- course of his first couple of games. But then again, we could obviously make the same argument for the dude from the, uh, from the LA Galaxy. But for Chicho to go out there and to state his stake his claim on wanting to kick that PK, I I got props for that. I I admire that. And so he goes out there, he buries that sucker, he gets his first goal, opens the register, opens the goal account on his LAFC career, and we are at one-to-one. Bank of California Stadium is erupting. The 3252 is out of their minds. They're going nuts. It's fantastic. And that leads us into the end of the first half with the score 1-1. And thus far being a very exciting match for the LA Derby. Yeah, look, we we mentioned this on the postgame for 110 football. And we'll talk about it a little bit later. But none of these matches have ever disappointed in terms of, of action. I, I will actually say to me... The, the least entertaining one in the history of our four years playing each other was the one earlier this year in May, where it was kind of a boring 2-1 sloppy game. And yes, we responded to come back to tie things up at one, and there was another disappointing later goal, but it wasn't in the, after the 80th. It was like the 72nd minute, I think, if I remember correctly. But to me, that one was probably the, the least entertaining of any of the matches that we have played against each other. This one, Philly... One half in, certainly living up to all the billing. No chicha, no vela, no problem so far in this. Philly, did you want to get any of the first half stats, or do you want to just roll right into the second half? I mean, look, we could just roll right into the, the second half, but all you right. did say something really quickly yeah. that I just want to make sure we address once again. Yeah. We've been... MLS has been dying for this, and a lot of supporters of the game have been dying for this. The matchup between Vela and Chicharito. We've sadly not been able to see that throughout the, their tenure together in Major League Soccer. But that doesn't mean that you're potentially not going to see it for the remainder of the year. October the 3rd, one we are shot. going down the 110 to that little sports park in Carson. And hopefully at that point, we have Carlos Vela firing on all cylinders and healthy and not, I don't want to say hopefully, obviously he's a scary guy, still having 10 goals on the season despite having not played several over the course of the past couple of weeks. But October 3rd, you might be able to finally see Chichen Vela. That's right. You were able to see Kim Moon Juan, however, right at the start of the second half. Nice seamless transition. Thank you so much. Substitute into the match for one Tristan Blackman. And, and look, it was, it was a nice back and forth. First about, what, 10, 12 minutes or so. And then, Philly, it might not just be our wait. What What moment of the game, of the podcast, of the season? Philly, it might just be Major League Soccer's goal of the year. Look, Max Bredos calls it the second best goal ever scored at Bank of California Stadium behind the Houdini goal against San Jose by Carlos Vela. The Vela, 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 where I think we saw the air go completely out of Max Bredos on that call there. Can we just talk about we have been saying forever, Philly, since 2019, how talented, how physically gifted, how Great on the ball, one Brian Rodriguez is. We finally saw the embodiment of that greatness that we have been saying is there. Now, look, we're not saying that Brian Rodriguez has now become the player that we've all been waiting for. But in that moment, and in another moment that we'll talk about soon, in that moment, when he makes not one, not two, 
not three, but four defenders and a keeper miss. You did that same exact thing just again. What? That, that same like face thing that we talked about that only Schmidt Mittens would do. You just did it again. That's really funny. I'm very rarely do I get to sit across from Philly and, and watch his facial reactions, but it's pretty funny, you guys. He and Schmidt Mittens are the same person, but I have seen them in the same room together many times, so they can't be the exact same person. Brian Rodriguez with his breakout moment of not just the season, but of his career in black and gold. Philly, our section was going nuts. The 3252 was going nuts. The entire cathedral of the faithful of the black and gold Bank of California Stadium, 22,000. And by the way, Carson fans, that's what a sellout looks like. Just wanted to to give you a quick heads up on that. That's not a 70% of the attendance sold. That's the entire stadium plus 32 people, by the way. It was 22,032. So whoever was standing in the aisles watching that game, at least you weren't standing in front of anybody that we knew. That being said, Philly, (laughs) Brian Rodriguez is on the board. Brian, yes, Brian. (laughs) There it is. Down the left wing, he went flying. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was so beautiful, making four defenders miss, making the crowd go nuts. Philly, there was a little tear in my eye, and I would like to say it was probably because... Brian heard me say on our last podcast that I was no longer on Team Brian, so he wanted to shut me up a little bit. I really wish I had my guitar because I've been playing a lot of minor chords <laughs> thinking about what we would state for the the Brian song. I have a lot of positive things about that, but you were talking about how the 3252 went nuts and all the fans in Bank of California yeah. Stadium going nuts. I would say if you were a Galaxy fan, you'd probably be going nuts too. Why? Because between Legit and Sega, and Araujo, and Bond, all four of them would have needed orthopedic surgeons because Brian Rodriguez broke all of their ankles to score a goal from a tremendous angle. See what I did there? Yeah, don't forget Derek Williams too, by the way. He shot it over Derek Williams. Orthopedic surgeon for all of them. Brian coming through, and if there was anybody that was due for a freaking goal in his LAFC career, it was that young man. Finally, we are singing his praises. Depreciation, depreciating asset, not as a result of yesterday. I would say he either stays where he is or maybe transcends a little higher. But dude, from what he did, again, the ankle breaking, the shot at a ridiculous angle. Jonathan Bond didn't have an opportunity to make that play. And boom, 58th minute, 2-1 to LAFC. Philly, did you notice, too, at the bottom of the pile, because they mobbed Brian Rodriguez after that goal, he was tearing up. This was a release of a lot of frustration, of a lot of stress, of a lot of, of expectation that so many people, including Brian Rodriguez himself, have placed upon Brian's shoulders. There was a lot of emotion there. And I was so happy that he was able to do it in front of our home crowd, in front of our supporters, because that to Brian, I know is what he wanted more than anything else. I am so proud and so happy for this kid, Brian Rodriguez with an incredible goal, but don't worry. It's LAFC in 2021 and we would find a way to give it right back in the 64th minute. Jovelich once again, able to find a little bit of space, perhaps too much space on that left side. I, I don't know about this goal. I've watched it several times. Could Tomas Romero have been in a little bit better of a position? Sure. Could our back line have closed out on Jovelich a little bit more? Sure. I, I don't know. I, it, was, it was a bad goal. It was a bad goal because of how quickly it came after such a pivotal moment. 
It was a bad goal because then yeah, he jumps into our stands and in the hands of like three or four of the, the seven Galaxy fans that were in that section. He got a yellow card for taking his top off for, uh, for celebration there. Did day on your sounds really dirty, by the way. But, but he did. That's what he did. No, I get it, but it still sounds dirty. That, that being said, man, 2-1. I don't think the place was even done talking about Brian Rodriguez yet. And yet we give up another equalizer, Philly, Two two after sixty four minutes. Yeah, but the game gets really exciting. Yeah, from this time period, we're talking about a back and forth. We're talking about a boxing match where each heavyweight is going out there slugging one after the other. It wasn't that long for another goal to be had. We're talking a mere what two minutes two after minutes. the Galaxy drew, and we're talking about a goal that happened. One brace. Served by another. Maybe the Galaxy had their first, but it was Brian having the second brace of the game. His second goal came off of a rebound from a shot by Jose by Cheeky, which got blocked out. But then he's there to pick it up, scoop things past. He's off and running, and we couldn't be happier. We gave up on him a while ago, but he comes through in the best of ways in what was the most important game of the season. Brian Rodriguez. Taking care of business, Ooh. as the song goes. Again, I wish I had my guitar. I'd be playing some happy chords right now. <laughs> yeah, look, I, we're so happy for Brian Rodriguez. Again, stoked. We had talked about it, Philly, I think on One More Sleep before this match, that I had said that we needed to pepper Jonathan Bond anywhere between 20 and 30 shots. And I know you'll go over the shots numbers at the end of the game, and I know we got Ours there. or the teams? Uh, well, I mean, both. <laughs> we, I'm we, just trying to throw you off and we, have fun We, we came close. No, that was, I mean, look... We we, we had a good time at Bank of California Stadium, to be sure. But that being said, the rebound, great shot, first of all, by Cheeky to put it not just on frame, but to put it right off of Jonathan Bond. And this is what we talk about. You need those runners to go with you. A great run by Cheeky Palacios. Rossi on the left-hand side, so Cheeky could have dropped it off there on the left, but I was so happy that Cheeky chose to cut in just a little bit, take that shot, force the rebound, and Brian was right there to slot it home. Nothing the defense could do. We are up 3-2, and again, we use this quote time and time again from Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts, <laughs> because after the 66th minute, we all know the penchant that LAFC has Ugh. for giving up goals. 68th minute, we get Samuel Grancier, who substitutes into the match for Carson. That is another one of the French connection that they have brought in this season. And in the 74th minute, man, I told, I told people too, I said, this kid is really good. I'm not super happy that they've got him coming off the bench as a super sub. The player who recently cap-tied himself to L3, Efren Alvarez, He's still a teenager. I mean, this kid is so good. He <laughs> With as the Cooligans referred to as a quinceanera haircut. Right, right. He's got the quinceanera hair because it looks like he's about ready to have his quinceanera. Uh, he enters for Carson as Dubois heads to the bench off for <laughs> Efren Alvarez, 74th minute. We did minute. see Becky G, by the way, at the we bank. We did see She's Becky G. She's very tiny. She, I actually She could fit in your pocket. She could. I would not have recognized her. Although, I wonder who's tinier. Is it Becky G or Natalie Portman, one of the uh, Angel City Oh, no, City Becky owners. G without a doubt. Becky G's even smaller than Natalie Portman. Okay, all right. Well, At least I, that's what my eyes. I mean, look, I, someone had to point her out to me. I do not. I did not know. I still don't really know because she had a mask on almost the entire time. What Becky G looks like, but. 75th minute, Philly, I have to make a comment here because... Uh, are you far I, from a fan of this I, move as well? I turned and I said this 
to, well, I said it to Kara, but she definitely doesn't remember that I said it to her. But <laughs> I, I turned to Kara, oh, Kara and, and I said you. to her, we love you, Kara. Cheeky, though he was looking far worse for wear, I audibly groaned when Cheeky Palacios came off the pitch. Look, he had cramped up several times. He had just made that great run right through the middle of the pitch, and you, you got the feeling, right, that he just left it all out there. The sun, the cramping, maybe he didn't do enough. He's got to drink maybe some pickle juice right beforehand if you're going to play. That, that helps out with cramping. Also helps with whiskey. Uh, 75th. It also does. It's a pickleback. It's really yummy. It, I ordered a pickleback for a remember, for, for a right back. Remember when I ordered just picklebacks when we were at the the barcade out in uh, in Highland? Park yeah, there? I'm giving you the same look now that the those bartender are, gave you back then. Oh, whoa. yeah, those are so good. I, I do was, like pickle juice. Not gonna lie, pickle juice, and they were only a dollar. It was fantastic. That's actually expensive for, for I, a little well, shot of pickle not juice. in Highland Park. That's like half price. I audibly, dang ULA pricing. I know, right? I audibly groaned when I saw that it would be Marco Farfan coming in for cheeky. Sub for LAFC, Marco Farfan in for Cheeky Palacios. One minute later, Sega <laughs> picks up a yellow card. Kind of a cool first name, I'm not going to lie. That's, yes. It's, it, I, I would have that instead of Koulibaly on the back. I think his cousin's is, name's Atari? I mean, or is it Commodore 64? I, I was wondering where we would go with that. By the way, that Kevin, was a lame attempt at Kevin humor. I'm Cabral sorry. has a twin brother who plays for uh, Los Dos, by the way, Carson, Carson Deuce. Um, so there, I, I you mean know, the Carson drawers? I yes, the uh, they man, I'm so bummed they beat uh, they beat the lights three two on a. Late I mean, goal. there's a lot of t- people beating the lights this year. Sadly that's enough. you know what that's true, but you know what our young kids are getting some seasoning, which is good. It's all that matters. 81st minute, Philly. We got your former NYCFC boy, Sebastian Ibeaga. Everybody who ever plays for NYCFC is always going to be one of Philly's boys, even though he really only had ties to them in, what, 15 and 16? No, just 15. I moved here in 16. All right. And I put my season deposit or a deposit down on LAFC like March of 16. Is your season ticket holder card still in your wallet? No. uh, I I took that out because uh, of the match in which we lost to NYCFC. And I kept giving you grief every single moment. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So. Sebastian Bianca. A defender in for a forward. Yeah. Parking the bus time. Parking the bus. Because we screw things up in the 80th minute. Parking the bus. And guess what we did afterwards? We screwed things up in the 80th minute. Look, and the unfortunate part is there are two players that, in my opinion, are strictly to blame for what Philly is going to talk about in the 86th minute in a play that surprised nobody except for LAFC's back line. 85th minute, Philly, or 86th minute, excuse me. All we had to do, Philly, was hold on for four more minutes, my man. Yeah, it it seems pretty reasonable, considering once again we brought in another defender for a forward. But as a result of our luck, something that stems back to the 2018 season, we like to snatch drawers or defeats from the hands of victory, or something along those lines. It's Kevin Cabral. He ends up scoring the go-ahead goal. And I'm going to steal your words on this. What in the world was NYCFC Zibiaga doing on this play? These are your words, Scarf. Yeah. Chasing Murillo's man in the front post and vacating his space in the middle. What? Kudos to Araujo for making a great cross into the box. But dude, so many frustrating things on this play. Ibiaga vacates the space. And then in trying to get back in position, Murillo drops. You're thinking, all right, Murillo's going to drop. Maybe he's going to make the play. His head, his body, his shoelace, whatever. Nothing there. Romero was actually going to be in position. If Murray didn't touch it, 
But bang, as a result of that, really rough game for Murray, especially considering the fact that he had such a great performance on Wednesday in the All-Star game against League Iamekis. And just like that, instead of rolling out of Bank of California Stadium with three points on the weekend to kick off a really relaxing Sunday, we managed to concede uh, another goal. And as a result of that, we don't get three. We get three minus two, which is one. Yeah, look, really frustrating on the defense between the two center backs there. Not as much with Moody on this play, but he was certainly partially to blame. Again, watch the dummy run. Look, it it was a really nice pass. Julian Araujo with the cross. But man, there was nobody around Kevin Cabral when he touched that ball. Nobody around. Nobody to close out. Nobody to cut off the angle. Nobody to do anything. And it's because Moody had his man. The dummy run, Moody took that guy. Sebastian Abiaga was basically on the back of Jesus David Murillo in awful position. It was Moody who had to come back. And I just feel bad. This is the second ball that touches Moody before going into the back of the net. And if you look at the positioning of Tomas Romero, he was there. Had Moody not touched it, he was there. The ball hopped up and over Thomas Romero for the goal. Really, really frustrating sequence of events there for LAFC. Look, not much else happened in the course of the rest nope. of the game. Really not much to talk about. We had we went the full four minutes without anything really going our way in stoppage time. But again, I want to point out the different ways that our two clubs, Carson Galaxy and LAFC, posted about this draw. LAFC posted one simple word, stalemate. Stalemate. Carson, after a draw on the road, can you imagine Carson posting this when back when they played Chivas USA, the other team that occupied their own spot down in Carson? Can you imagine Carson posting this against Seattle and they would say, oh, MLS is ours after a 3-3 draw. Can you imagine them posting it maybe after a a Champions League match? Don't worry, Carson fans. I'll explain to you what Champions League is in a minute. I know it's been a while since you've been there. Can you imagine them posting, the Champions League is ours after a 3-3 draw? No. What are they so scared of? We've only been around four years. They've been around since 96. We still, as you like to remind us in our first four years, just like you, haven't won MLS Cup. You first to five. Because you've been around for 26 years. What are you so scared of that you need to post LA is ours in all caps? Yeah, because our social media presence is strong. G's up. You know, what I can tell you is they're, they're absolutely scared of us because I feel like they constantly make excuses. And what I mean by that is there was a game in which they played on a Tuesday in which they didn't have that many people in their stands. Maybe fifteen to 16,000 in an arena that holds 27,000. And by the way, they like to remind us of the fact that their stadium can hold more, mainly due to the fact that they had to upgrade it to accommodate for, Charger, for the Chargers. That still you know, didn't fill that, that arena. So there was that. They're making excuses. Oh, it's a Tuesday. We can't fill our stadium because the traffic is bad, yada, yada, yada. There's an excuse. Then they start to give out free tickets to uh, what they like to refer to as their main rival, which is San Jose. They can't fill the stands of Dignity Health Sports Park on a Friday against their arch rival. They have to give out free tickets. There are Galaxy fans on social media that admit to the fact that their culture is nowhere near what LAFC's culture is. 
Call us plastic, call us what you want, but calling us plastic has to depict the fact that we have had success and we have had glory. And according to y'all, we haven't had either. So how in the hell are we plastic in that respect? We're not. But as a result of that, you still claim that L.A. is yours. In reality, it is not. I don't remember the last time I saw anyone in any part of Los Angeles wearing a Galaxy hat. I don't see it. I see a lot of LAFC. I don't see any Galaxy. None whatsoever. Is it because the logo is cartoony, lame, and of the 90s? No, it's because nobody really cares in this area about that team. So despite the fact that the record against them isn't isn't what we'd want it to be, We're still, in my opinion, and probably in the opinion of Major League Soccer, a far more important team going forward. Yes, the Los Angeles Galaxy have had a tremendous amount of success. Yes, they have helped propel this league, helped keep it stable, and helped keep moving it forward. But are we going to constantly look to the past always? If you've seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite, you'll recall the character of Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico loves to go back to 82 where he feels like he could have taken state and changed his entire life. The Galaxy are a team that looks backwards before they look forwards. They are a team as a fan base and as a franchise that is more reactive than proactive. Why? Because they didn't take us seriously. It starts with the management. It starts with the marketing dude, Brendan, who is no longer with the club. They didn't think that this franchise, this new version of what they like to refer to as Chivas USA, could do anything to their so-called proud franchise. But in reality, we did plenty. We, we, we stole the market share from you. Why? Because we, we marketed correctly. We cared. So you want to tweet LA is yours? It's not. Maybe you'll draw us and think that L.A. is yours. Perhaps, you know, you'll beat us. In fact, you've beaten us earlier this season and you drew us in our home. But if there's anything that I know the millions and millions will agree to is the fact that L.A. is not yours. Not now, not tomorrow, never again. L.A. is ours. So I just want to point out something. I'm, I'm going off of worldfootball.net where they track home match attendance in 2021. And I know a lot of stadiums are still dealing with COVID issues and this and that, right? I just want to point out that in home matches, according to this metric, through 12 home matches for Carson and for 11 home matches for us, we have now outdrawn them by, oh, just about 20,000 fans over all of those matches. And by the way, that's with them having one more match than we have. And I just want to point out, if, if LA is yours, Orlando City is averaging more fans per home match than you are. Orlando City has been, for the most part, a doormat and irrelevant since we have come into the league, 2018. Oh, but wait. So have you guys. So (laughs) I guess that's about right. If you look at everything since 2018, you guys in Orlando City are about right. So it's fitting that they're eighth in home attendance and right now you're 10th in home attendance. While while we sit a little bit higher than that. We sit up in sixth. And look, after 11 home matches, we're outdrawing you 20,000 people. That's enough for us to play an entire match with no fans at all. And to still have more fans than you at the end of our match. It's, it's kind of sad to see what's happened to the once noble Home Depot Center. To the once noble spot where even the U.S. men's national team and women's national team now refuse to train because there's a better site down in Yorba Linda. The once noble <laughs> Carson, California. That's good. I like it, that. It's take. unfortunate because 
when we sell out matches for an entire season, we actually sell them out. We don't have any free tickets going anywhere. No. Unfortunately, we don't have any free tickets. I'm trying to get friends into the stadium. I've got friends that used to be Carson fans. They're like, hey, I really want to go to the bank. I'm sorry. We don't have a ticket in our section. I'm sorry. just doesn't happen. It's been a little disappointing. Uh, The the other thing that I want to make sure we mention, uh, we'll go over the stats in just a second, but there there was a a female who had a, a medical emergency, what, 18, 19 minutes into the match, just want to send our thoughts and prayers out to her uh, in the North End. I know it was a it was a really scary scene for a couple of minutes there, so I just wanted to uh, to make sure we mentioned that before we get done with the podcast, Philly. I wanted to say I, I, t- I said earlier, excuse me, that we needed between twenty and thirty shots in the match. I know we had, I believe, eleven on target. How many total shots for LAFC in this match? You meet the average with your claim, my friend. Twenty-five wow. shots with the eleven on target. The Galaxy with ten shots, five on target. Obviously, they had a better percentage than we did. But LAFC continuing to do their thing on the offensive end, peppering the opposing team. And possession-wise, it belonged to the Galaxy, but relatively, it was even relatively. Fouls they edged us out fourteen and nine. Jonathan Bond, the far busier keeper than Tomas Romero. But I, I do want to address something because I saw this on social media. People were talking about how Chicho Arango isn't the player that uh, you know we thought he was going to be. He, he's not at all uh, aggressive out there. He, he's not a great player. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the stats as far as the game is concerned. And Chicho, along with Edward Atuesta and Diego Rossi, had the most amount of shots on the field. Chicho had five, with three of them on target. His passing percentage was the best out of both teams, with 92.9. He played 81 minutes. He scored one goal. His, uh, I mean, he was expected to obviously score a goal, and he ended up doing it. Our front line, we, uh, we talked about them on 110 football being our stock falling, but Brian had three shots um, with two uh, on target. He had two goals. Chicho, five, I mentioned it before, with three on target. Edward Atuesta, our midfielder, with five shots, two of them on target. Diego Rossi, he was very active. Seven shots with three on target with a pass percentage of 86.7. In some cases, it's like, you know, I, I mentioned it as my, my take on 110 football, and everybody looked at me like I was crazy. I said, sometimes the goals go in, sometimes they, they come out. And what I mean by that is, well, every goal was followed by another goal on the opposing team. So they basically canceled each other out. So as a result of that, the game might as well have been 0-0 or whatever the case may be. But I'll tell you this, it's through no fault of our front line. They were active. It is through no fault of our designated players because they were very active. If there's anybody that we can put any kind of blame on, there's a couple of unfortunate bounces and a couple of unfortunate plays by our back line. Murillo, Palacios, I mean, we could kind of keep going. It's a team game. We're not pinning this on, on people individually. This isn't a Thorington out, Bob out conversation. But our boys did pretty much what they could. But history has a tendency of repeating itself. And as a result of that, they once again concede after the 80th minute. Look, LAFC, like you've just got through talking about Philly, played really well offensively in this match. Their defense played offensively, unfortunately, at times in this match. According to FOTMOB, which is a great website that Vince LaRosa turned us on to, we talk a lot about expected goals, right? Which really is how well you played versus how many goals you scored. And it's such a cool stat. I've really kind of dove into this stat over the last month or so. We, again, as we've done for most matches in our season, absolutely crushed the opposition in expected goals. 
But even according to FOTMOB, LAFC got a little lucky today, Philly. Our expected goals were just 2.33 off of our three goals scored. And look, that's probably because you don't have very many players in Major League Soccer that can make the play that that Brian Rodriguez made. That That play is incredible. And the fact that we outscored for like the first time this season, we outscored our expected goals of 2.33. <laughs> However, Carson really outplayed their expected goals. Their expected goals in this match wasn't even 1.96. And yet they have three on the board. Wow. Three That's crazy. goals on the board. LAFC's back line really shot themselves in the foot with their defending today. It was a little frustrating. And for all of you that that keep harping on LAFC doesn't shoot enough, LAFC doesn't shoot enough. You mentioned That's the 25 stupid. shots. You mentioned the 11 on target. I would also like to point out that 14 of those 25 shots were inside the box. These weren't those long-distance rockets from Atuesta and Sifu and and every now and then like a Chiqui Palacios or a Kim Moon-Juan, whoever it might be. It, these were inside the box. These were good shots. These were quality chances that we got. So, uh, look, uh, I'll say it again. Bob hasn't been able to score a goal for LAFC since he was hired as coach. He hasn't been able to mark a man on the back line since he was hired as coach. Now, we've had our disagreements with some tactics, with some formations, with some people in the lineup. But if you're taking 25 shots, you're taking 14 shots in the box, you're taking 11 shots on target, you're outplaying your opposing team in expected goals by almost a goal and a half, and you're putting three up on the board. I don't know what more anybody wants Bob to do. I don't. And frankly, I'm tired of defending him to all of you out there that are hashtag Bob out because you know what? At the end of the season, if we don't make the playoffs, if we somehow go on a run and we get blown out, sure, let's maybe talk about Bob out. But right now, as we sit, we are still hovering near, not at anymore, but near the playoff line. 21 matches played, which means we have 13 matches to go. 13 matches to go. We currently sit ninth in the table, tied with Portland, who does have a match today. So we'll see what happens there. We currently sit ninth in the table on 24 points. We are a mere two points out of the playoff spot. And honestly, we are only, what, six, seven points away from being top five. Now, yes, this is a massive drop in expectations for LAFC. I'm talking about us being six points away or so from top five. That's not good enough for me. That's not good enough for those of you listening. That shouldn't be good enough for the millions. And millions. Of defenders of the bank and black and gold faithful. But it's where we're at right now. But what I will say is this. When the door closes on our playoff opportunities, that's when I will begin to doubt what we've done this season and not a moment sooner. Nope, that's a fair statement. Not to be somewhat of a Debbie Downer, but hey, by the way, we're also five points away from last place. Yes, but I don't feel like that's a trajectory in which we're, we're heading to. Today was a very pivotal match. Pivotal match, I'm sorry. And uh, we have several more going forward. Don't know what's going to happen because we're going to be losing players. But Sporting Kansas City will be losing players as well. Don't know what the protocols are going to be for anybody needing to quarantine. But, I mean, it is what it is. There's going to be room for other players to step up. This isn't a high school varsity team. 
These are all professional athletes, and every professional athlete is good enough to go out there and at the very least give it one good game at some point or another. Yes, our expectations are sky high, but you can't expect Teresa Ferrari when your engine right now is that of an Audi. It is what it is. I'm still saying I'm still calling luxury cars, by the way. We're still a luxury car defenders. We're not we're not a we're not a Pinto. Uh, or, or, or a bad little Fiat. I'd still say we're a racing car Audi, but everybody has Ferrari expectations. And that's just not what it is right now. Again, we sneak into the playoffs. We can cause some damage. It's been a topsy-turvy, crazy year. Who's going to stay with us in this team? Who's going to come out of this team? Who's going to leave at the end of the year? There's so many questions that befall all of us. But who cares at this point? Because we need to focus on what happens next. And what happens next is going against Sporting Kansas City with whatever lineup is not Whatever lineup is left and not decimated by uh, international duty. I really feel good about this game. I'm sure you want me to rant as only a Philly could rant. Or Scarf, as, as, as a Scarf has been ranting better than Philly in, in 2021. <laughs> Again, a crazy year. Philly's been the better ranter over the course of the past couple of years. Scarf is killing Philly in terms of rants in 2021. It's know. an interesting year. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. But I will say this. Finally, we score more than two goals per game. Finally, Brian Rodriguez gets on the board. Chicho Arango gets himself a goal. Diego Rossi, seven shots with three on target. I think if there's anything that we can probably all agree on is the fact that at the very least, our confidence is far higher than what it was going into this match. We had anxiety and low confidence. We took care of business. And uh, I have to, again, tip my hat off to the 3252. The 12th man on the team, by far the most valuable. In good times and in bad, the 3252 are constantly there, taking care of business and pushing and helping propel our team. We have the better culture. We have the better supporters. I'm sorry. LA is ours, folks. And that, and that's the way it is. I know there's some Galaxy people that listen to this pod. Shout out to y'all. Thank you for supporting and listening to us. Thank but you. you know deep down inside that Bank of California Stadium is a far better venue to watch a football match. You know deep down inside the culture here is far better than it is down at Dignity Health Sports Park. I applaud you for maintaining your galaxy ties and relationships because, well, you're not what they call a bandwagon or a Fairweather fan, and that's fine. Respect. But I have no respect to the Galaxy fans that were throwing pe- throwing things at LAFC fans leaving the stadium. I have no respect for Galaxy fans that are smashing the windows of our fellow 3252 brothers. I have no respect for anybody that incites any kind of physical violence on any members of our community. And obviously, I don't have respect for people within our community inciting violence against those that of others. But this derby, if anything, Scarf, will tie it all together. For a, for an unbiased pers- uh, spectator, this was a very exciting match. And it was. I have to steal the words from you off 110 football. You had a brilliant take. If you were Don Garber, you left yesterday's match smiling because yep. the marquee matchup of the weekend was by far at this point the most exciting matchup. But we also have three more going uh, today. And then, you know, most people listen to this tomorrow. But this is going to be the most exciting <laughs> matchup of the weekend. Yeah, look, the this... This matchup really, like I said before, never disappoints. Being able to spend time with all the black and gold faithful, whether it's out on Christmas tree lane, seeming like we were on the surface of the sun for a lot of that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I went over to the to the fan fest, even though they put up the, the metal gates and didn't even have an entrance on our side of the fan fest. That's okay. Still went over there. Got a couple of free hats and t-shirts and I got a Jacob and Ronnie LAFC towel. I, I got, I got <laughs> what all are you going to use that of, towel for, by the uh, way? Sweat. 
I, I got all kinds of fun stuff out there <laughs> on, la, 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 on Christmas Tree Lane. La, 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 I want to give la, 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 a shout out to Devo and everybody else. We who love you, that Devo. Event on. You guys are amazing. But that being said, Philly, I got to be honest, man. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, but not really looking forward to, these next couple of matches. We're going to have a lot of players gone on international duty. We know that <laughs> Segura is not walking through that door anytime soon. We know that Carlos Vela is out for maybe another week or two. Obviously, we know about Quadua Poku and Eric Duenas and some of the other unfortunate injuries we've got. Julian Gaines just this, signing on a pelvic injury. That's nuts. But here's, how, do you mean, how do you get a pelvic injury? Here's the most important takeaway that I have. Thanks this. for not answering that, by I, the way. I, I haven't had a pelvic injury for quite some time. Here's the most important takeaway that I've got from it. We are not done fighting. We are not done fighting. If this team was done, you wouldn't have seen the effort from the boys in black and gold against Carson. If this team was done, you wouldn't have seen Bob. He keeps tinkering. He keeps trying new things. He keeps putting new combinations out there. If this team was done, you wouldn't see us continue to bring in depth into the lineup like we have with Sebastian Abiaga, with Julian Gaines, like you mentioned, who hopefully will be healthy soon. This team is not done. This team has not stopped fighting. And I think what will give us even more motivation is the ridiculousness of Carson's reaction by saying LA is ours after a draw on the road at Bank of California Stadium. That's your reaction. If anything, you've made the mistake, Carson, of giving us more fuel to our fire. We are not done fighting. And just like Carson did, I believe it was in 2005, when their team was in a little bit of disarray, they backed their way into the playoffs before winning MLS Cup. I can't wait to write your own story that you did in 2005, Carson, better than you did. Mm. Our club is not done fighting. In fact, we have not yet even begun to show you our teeth these next 12 or 13 games. These games are the ones that will hopefully define our season. These games are the ones that will hopefully go on to write a fourth straight successful playoff chapter for LAFC, meaning making the playoffs every single year. Carson fans, don't worry. I'll explain to you what the playoffs are again a little bit later. You guys haven't been there in a while, and the only time you were, we knocked you out. That being said, we have not yet begun to show you the true black and gold fight. We've got 13 games left to do it. I can't wait to see what this team is capable of. I got nothing. That was pretty darn good. I'm excited. I'm ready for a black and gold revolution. Yeah, we might be biased looking through the world in a black and gold tinted lens. Shout out to our friends at FCFC, but I am so proud to be part of this community with you and the millions. And millions. I love this club so much, along with you, the millions and... Millions? Yeah, I know. We just have to keep saying that, but I am so proud of our club. I'm so proud of our community. I'm so proud of what we've done. I'm so excited to see what we're going to do going forward. And yes, we have lulls. It's ebbs and flows. When groups come together, there is expansions and troughs and norming, forming, storming, and performing. We're getting over the storming phase on the verge of the performing phase for this season. Some of the weird things I remember from from college, by the way. That was a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think it was uh, like business development. I don't know. Who cares? But the point is, we're, we're, we're in an okay spot. 
If you wanted us again to, to, to bash the team and to do things of that nature, we're leaving, out of, we're leaving out this podcast. We're walking out of this podcast, rather, with a very optimistic view as to what things are going forward. Are we homers? Duh. Why is that such a negative term? We love our club. There's going to be good and bad. We'll criticize it when need be. But we finally scored three goals. Brian finally scored. Chicho scored. The confidence is slightly better. I don't have that many negative things to say. Yeah, our back line needs some help. I don't blame our goalkeeper. Uh, our back line could be better, and I think it will be. I don't know what's going to happen going forward with the next couple of games, but I will say I am excited to see who's going to step up and take care of business. It is always an exciting little mystery to see which LAFC player that you don't expect is going to step up to the plate and take care of business. None of us knew who Diego Rossi was prior to uh, yeah. the first game against the Sounders. Nobody knew who Diamande was. Nobody knew anything about a lot of these other boys. But there's plenty of people that are unproven on this roster that have an ability to step up and put their name and tattoo it in LAFC lore. And at the very least, that's what I am looking forward to. So that's pretty much all I have to say about today. And you know how we like to end each one of our episodes. Bye-bye.